0: Welcome to Third Paradigm. We
1: are your hosts, Clarity and Nuance. Third Paradigm is
2: a digital third place, which is where people practice the art of conversation. The hosts and guests come from all backgrounds and different ways of thinking.
1: We here at Third Paradigm will discuss ideas and the facts of life with respect while pushing the envelope. Full disclaimer, hosts and guests will share their opinions, the opinions of our guests are strictly of their own and do not represent the opinions of Third Paradigm.
2: However, when we, the host, share facts, we will back them up with evidence. If we are wrong, we will make it right as soon as possible because we believe in practicing integrity. Welcome to Third Paradigm. So, clarity, um, looks like we got a continuation on from last week because last week we had, how do we get here? And I think that was a really, really insightful episode. But uh, this week we have, where do we go from here? Um, I think this title is appropriate, especially um, thinking about uh, this coming month, next month, we always celebrate Dr. King's birthday in January. We have a new year. And where we go from here, Chaos or Community, was the last book that he wrote. Um, it wasn't a popular book. Um, it was actually a book where Dr. King was the least popular because he challenged the very structures of our society. And now it's actually very, very popular. And you, I highly recommend people get it from... The King Center, where the King Center, which gives to a lot of great causes, they'll get the money for it. But uh, his book was not allowed to be printed for 10 years after he was assassinated, because that's how powerful the book was. So, uh, yeah, Uh, what do you think about that? That one's really good. Yeah. Yeah, I heard an interesting quote on um, this week from Dr. Cornel West that the difference between intelligence and intellect. Um, intelligence is something that we celebrate in our society because it leads to success, but success isn't necessarily greatness. While well, intellect is where you challenge the very premises and the very structures of our society saying there's an injustice here. And I think that that's what his book did, and which is why a lot of people hated him. He challenged the unfairness and the injustice of poverty, a society that has a lot of wealth, which we're experiencing right now, and he challenged the war machine in this country, which we have still right now, and he was challenging the Vietnam War, so I think that uh, this is very, this is a very, very prevalent topic, but uh, uh, let's get started. We have uh, four guests here. We have Maxwell, Carla, Pixie, and Sean, people who have all been on the show before. Welcome, welcome back. Yes, welcome back. Thank you for coming back. What up? What up, though? Awesome, awesome. So, uh, Claire, you got the floor uh, tonight for the uh, the icebreaker. So why don't you go ahead?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So for tonight's icebreaker, I have a question for everyone. I don't know where I saw this question once, but I thought it was kind of funny, so I decided to share it with everyone else. Do you put peanut butter on first or jelly first when making a PB and J sandwich?
3: Butter. Mm. Have peanut, to but, peanut butter. butter
4: first, for sure. I would say I do peanut butter first, myself. But
0: only with strawberry jelly, though. Ooh. I'm
3: allergic to strawberry. We have to use grape or raspberry.
0: Oh. Poor child. Sorry. <laughs>
1: Carla, what about you?
0: I don't like
3: either, but if I Ooh. did, I would be inclined to put peanut butter first on both pieces of bread to keep the jelly from making one of the pieces of bread soggy. That's a good idea.
1: That's mm. a really good idea. Yeah, so it sounds like everyone almost unanimously chooses the peanut butter. Why Why the peanut butter first?
3: Because jelly's messier. <laughs>
1: That's pretty legit.
3: Sticky. Once, once you finish with the jelly and they're sticky everywhere, the last thing you want to do is do peanut butter. Ew, yeah,
1: you're
2: right. Now, wait, what kind of jelly are we talking about? Are we talking about the run-of-the-mill? You can get, you know, roaches with high fructose corn syrup jelly, or are we talking about getting, like, an organic fruit spread from, like, Trader Joe's or Whole Foods or we Kroger?
3: These raspberry preserves that I buy at Meijer because I'm poor.
0: But
3: it gets
4: everywhere because I have four kids. Uh, oh. I'm hey. using high fructose corn syrup strawberry jam all day. Okay, I don't want. <laughs> <laughs> they, can, they can probably just take out the strawberry, just make it just straight, just a, a, a strawberry paste, and just have all on them with sugar and strawberry flavor. That's what I want. Just put it on there.
0: Sugar. Sugar, <laughs> sugar everywhere.
1: Mm-hmm. And Carla, I like your response. So, you're not a fan of peanut butter or jelly. What kind of a sandwich would you lean on? Um,
3: cheese and spinach
0: with oregano. Ooh, that sounds good. What was it?
1: Cheese and spinach with oregano.
0: Ah, oh, okay. I see.
2: That is really good. Right, where do you stand, Clarity?
1: Hmm. Um, I have a bad habit of doing double-deckers with peanut butter and jellies, where I do three pieces of bread.
0: That sounds fantastic. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. So I do, like,
1: I'm the same way like everyone else. I do peanut butter first because it seems the most, like, durable. Like, I agree, like, jam just goes everywhere. And then I tend to do peanut butter, peanut butter, peanut butter, and then jelly and jelly. And then it's like a triple, I call it triple-decker. And I'm like, oh, my God. This is ridiculous. <laughs> wow. And if I really don't feel like a PB&J altogether, I just skip it all and go straight to Nutella. It's okay. Oh, boy. You've
4: got this here, Sean. No, Sean. You
0: can double-deck in, and then
4: you just skip the PB&J and get
0: sometimes.
2: Yes, okay, okay. Wow. Uh, I guess I'll go... Um, I, I've tried both. I've always thought about doing the peanut butter first and then cleaning off. I usually use, like, an actual measuring tablespoon thing because I like to, I'm also, I'm not the richest person, so I like to, like, spread my things out by the serving um, for my wife and I. And therefore, I go to Trader Joe's. It's pretty, like, inexpensive for, organic stuff for like their peanut butter and their um, fruit spread which doesn't have like added sugar or anything and so i get the raspberry and the superfood or the strawberry um they got different kinds i highly recommend when it's in season their watermelon spread it's awesome Ooh. yes yes it's seasoned on spring summer so please get it um it's very light it's awesome uh, and i've tr- I usually just don't want the jelly in the peanut butter, which is why I usually do peanut butter first. But I've done the other kind, and this kind of spread doesn't necessarily get it everywhere. I just kind of use the back of the the measuring tablespoon to, like, spread it around, and it doesn't get too soggy. So, do you remember remember
0: those butter? Huh? Butter?
3: My grandma used to do that when I was a kid. She'd do peanut butter, butter, and jelly. It was freaking amazing.
2: Wow. Peanut butter, butter, and jelly.
3: I do want to try
2: Trader Joe's cookie butter, because I've tried their cookie butter ice cream, which I must say is delicious. It's like, imagine ice cream with, like, the waffle cone in it. So I want to try their uh, cookie butter that you can spread on there. But um, that's the only other thing I wanted to try.
0: Oh, so,
1: so good. Well, thank you, everyone, for weighing in on that icebreaker. That one, I don't know where I saw that one, but I thought that was a really cute icebreaker. So with that being said, we can get started. Um, as we always say for our shows, uh, each question is going to be at, well, approximately about five minutes apiece in total, meaning it's not five minutes per person. We'll call on two random people and then open it up to the floor for everyone else, and then, um, yeah. They're about five minutes, some long. If you're not answering a question, please mute your mic and announce yourself when you answer the questions. And with that being said, new would you like to take the first question?
2: Yes. So, uh, question one, looking back pretty much on 2020, um, before the pandemic, after the pandemic, do you feel 2020 has amplified what was already there? As far as like the issues, the problems, the good things, the bad things in our society? Or do you feel that many of our issues we see are relatively new issues? And just to give some examples of these issues, I'm going to talk about racism, uh, sexism, homophobia, transphobia, classism, political affiliation, discrimination, and war. And we'll start with Carla.
3: Um, I think that they're all. Not many we're seeing, we're seeing um, newer versions of them. Um, for example, the, the pandemic is uh, it, it it's almost like it's almost like a weapon that's affecting some people more than the others, and people have sort of inadvertently weaponized it by politicizing it. Um, uh, yeah, I, I think it's just, it's, it's just the, the original problems have morphed into something new because people are still refusing to learn. Um, a lot of people who have historically had all the privilege, um, through pandemic restrictions, um, whether it's, you know, stay at home orders or actual effects on their own income and whatever, and not having the mobility, um, it's, it's ironic that it's, you know, one could look at it as they're getting a taste of what marginalized communities have always endured, and unfortunately, I think the majority of them are not getting that. They're not having the epiphany, "Oh, okay, I see it." You know, I'm I'm finally getting a taste of my own medicine, kind of a thing. It's I'm not saying that to um, you know belittle or be hard-hearted about you know people's misfortune, but I had really hoped that the people who historically had the privilege who are now Facing serious hardships that people of color and other marginalized communities, like immigrants and stuff, have had all along, I had hoped that they could actually learn something from that. But instead, a lot more people are just they're seeing it as an isolated problem that they're facing. And then you have those that are throwing temper tantrums. So um, I, I don't think there's been enough learning from the experience to say, okay, now that we've now that we know at least somewhat of what this is like. Um, We can, you know, change our way of doing things. But no, a lot of those people are still saying they want to go back to normal. And it's like, you totally missed the point.
2: Mm, Very insightful. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, Next, uh, how about uh, Max?
0: I think... It, it,
4: one thing that's amplified most of the stuff I feel is it's pretty much exactly the same it's the same Kool-Aid just in a different picture so it's still the same thing um, dealing with racism is it's different I mean anybody nobody gonna call me the n-word out in public I mean some people have but you know but it's like more, it's still like a more quiet, subtle kind of thing that you just kind of see play in the background and stuff like that. The, the, one of the things I've seen that's been amplified the most is the, 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 the separation of the political parties. Um, it seemed like it's hard to get on the same page when we're both reading from different books you know what i'm saying there's no consensus of what's right and what's wrong what's real and what's fake See, they're all fake or all real or somebody has a different perception of what the truth is on their end and then i have that i have what i believe is to be the truth so it's trying to it's trying to battle people it's trying to people trying to head but what the truth is and nobody's coming away with it. Pretty much anything. Um, the as far as the pandemic goes, it just it, it just proved it just proved to me that the concept that America built up, which is I believe is downfall, is this whole concept of rugged individualism. Like as long as I'm doing me, I, I got to look out for me. So, you have people who have, I believe that kind of mindset has had, we have people who, like, don't want to wear masks and stuff like that. They believe in this whole, this rugged individual thing that's, like, but we all live in this world together. So, you may not think what you do won't affect me, but as soon as you walk outside, whatever you do from that point on will affect somebody. Whether it's cut somebody off in traffic, give somebody the finger, bump somebody, do something else, or whatever. Whatever you do in this world will eventually affect somebody. Maybe not that moment, but somewhere down the line. Um, I just uh, I don't know. It's most like I said, it's mostly the same to me. Especially with racism, is just that's pretty much just standard. American fear you
0: know so
2: that's how I feel thank you very much sorry man thank you seriously and uh, you know what just for the sake of putting this out there the one quote I've heard um, and I will say that it's the second half of a verse 1st John 2 um, it's 21 in the message version of the bible and this is not to proselytize but i never thought i heard this better quote quoted that it said to remind me that the truth doesn't breed lies so just for the sake of everybody saying what is the truth what is in the truth it, the truth is that which doesn't breed lies and i think that is where we got to start off on the floor so i just wanted to put that out there when I, no matter what people's beliefs are which i respect to everybody but i think we can start saying you know the truth doesn't breed lies and we can kind of move forward so, um, anybody else on the floor want to want to want to take a shot at this question?
1: Yep, we got about one minute left.
5: Yeah, this is John. Yeah, um, I think a lot of uh, <clears throat> a lot of new issues have have come to my attention through 2020, but I think that the issues have always been there. Um, overall, I think, um, 2020 has, uh, made me see, see things a little better it, it made me, uh, made my eyes a little wider and see things that I thought were
1: not there. Mm. That's a very good response. That's very good. And, um, I agree. I agree with a lot of what everyone shared on this question, because it feels that for most of us, we know a lot of these issues have been around, but there's also new perspectives that we never thought about that 2020 brought out. So thank you so much for that one. So we're gonna move on to question number two. Um, so nuance you did number one, so I'll read number two. Um, I'm going to target this one, or not target. I'm going to direct this question to, let's do Pixie and Sean first on this one. So Mm -hmm. uh, number two, in a democracy, do you believe that there are situations where someone can be a respectful and loving person, i.e. accepting someone, and not participate in everything that person does? Why or why not? An example would be supporting someone who takes a knee at the national anthem, but you choose not to take a knee yourself. Uh, So Pixie, would you like to go first? Sure.
0: I think, um,
3: it's gonna be really easy to answer this question as a white woman, because high privilege, but, um, I think that lateral growth is important too. Um, I feel like if you are standing up and saying, this isn't okay others will follow even if they don't join you in that moment, and I think that's super important. Uh, we have to have to have to lead by example no matter what other people what choices they're making.
1: That's very good. Well, what do you mean by lateral? I'm curious.
3: Um, sorry, so like growth that is beside somebody else who's growing faster than you
0: if that mm-hmm. makes sense.
3: So if you're, if I'm growing at a certain speed and changing at a rapid rate and someone next to me is changing, but much slower, we have to, I feel, give people room to grow.
1: That's really good. That is a really good insightful way to look at that. Because some people may feel that they're far, like, I don't want to use the word farther along, but like there's some people who may know more and see the system or whatever, but oftentimes we forget that there are people who are completely new to these these issues and it's easy to overwhelm somebody. So. Yeah, I
2: totally agree because, I mean, you can't, you no know, one chooses what family they're born into, what place they're born in, what culture they're born in, but everyone can help how they were raised because that's what being an adult is. However, everybody does it at a different rate. And I think as long as people are, speaking in good faith about where they come from and what they don't understand, we should give that grace to allow people to grow, you know, <laughs> to grow at where they are. It's like, um, does anybody remember the uh, privilege game where it's like, if you came from a two-parent home, take two mm-hmm. steps forward. Or if you grew up in two-parent home and one went to college or both went to college, take one step forward. If you grew up in one-parent home, take one step back. Well, the reverse is true when if you grew up in hardship, you may be molded with more pressure before someone else to get the, 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 the excess of the coal out to bring out your diamond. And so some people are further along in that respect. So I, I really appreciate that answer.
1: Very good. Sean, do you have anything to weigh in?
5: Um, my answer is yes. Um, I think that... I think there are a lot of differences in what others believe in and just because someone doesn't um, fully 100% agree and participate in whatever that person is supporting, um, I guess that doesn't mean that they aren't a respectful and loving person. Is that what the question is trying to ask?
1: Yeah, kind of like the idea yeah. of I may not participate in X, Y, Z, but I still respect you as a person, that that kind of aspect. Yeah, like
2: um, if I can give just a little background, what Colin Kaepernick did with the kneeling, it didn't start off kneeling, it started off with him sitting down during a national anthem with Eric Reed, And a Green Beret guy, who happens to be white... Um, And the Green Beret, people don't know, is pretty much the black ops of our armed forces. It's the top of the top. Everybody wants to be Green Beret. Like they, they're the boys and girls. They do all the special operations. Told him that he was angry because he felt disrespected for the troops. And he says, you know what? I understand your point about what's going on with black people and discrimination, so I ask you. Don't sit, take a knee. Take a knee because that's what we do at the graves of our fallen brothers and sisters in armed forces with the flag. And so that's what Colin Kaepernick did. He reached out, listened Mm -hmm. in good faith, and they met somewhere in the middle. And he said, Hey, will you take a knee with me? Nate Boyer said, You know what? No, I got to stand because that's my thing. I believe in standing with my hand over my heart, saluting the flag because that gave me inspiration and courage and whatnot. That was his thing, but he said, I will stand with you and support you next to you. And Shannon Sharp, who's undisputed with Skip Bayless, who's a football player, he said, I don't want this litmus test for football players that they have to kneel or not kneel. As long as you can respect the fact that I'm kneeling. Because I understand the flag means something different, even though it's really not about the flag. And that is where this whole kind of question comes from, and not just about a flag, but about people with different cultures in in our society having different beliefs and different practices is there a way where you don't participate with someone like I don't get drunk with my friends even though I'm not against drinking does that mean that I'm a bigot against people that drink you know you see what I'm saying like that's that's where the question comes from
5: okay yeah I I mean I definitely agree with that I think someone can support XYZ but not particularly participate in it
1: Awesome. So, um, see, that was about five minutes. Do we want to move on to the next question? Yeah. So, um, unless,
2: you don't think we have maybe another minute for it?
1: Uh, let me check. Uh, we, got, we can put in one minute. That's all part. right. We open that to the floor. Yeah, Max or Carla? Mm, I'm, I'm all for people um, supporting something and
4: not participating in it. I mean, everything's not for everybody, you know. I mean as long as you come as long as you look at it from a point of understanding and not just berating because you don't understand it and are willing to
0: expand and learn from learn and figure out what's going on. But you, it's not your thing. I'm all for it. So, thank you. Excellent. <laughs> Carla, did you have anything? Yeah, um that's that's a tough
3: one. For me um as a person with a disability a lot of the things that i would like to do to help my friends like let's say a thousand at events if my friends are taking me i would want to do so too but for me because of my disability it'd be physically impossible um and also like say going to rallies and things like that it wouldn't be possible for me to put in the kind of physical effort that would be required things like that so for me that just that means that i have the responsibility of being more i guess you could say creative with how i demonstrate that i believe in the same things and that. I'm doing it in spirit, even if I can't do it physically. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also mm-hmm. it's important for people to um, to make sure that even if you're not actively participating, to show that you are supporting, like to not give some signal that, be, that could be mis- misconstrued as separating mm-hmm. yourself. Like say, don't walk farther away from them or don't ignore what they're doing. If you truly support them, demonstrate that somehow, like stand closer to them or something. Don't just be like, act like, nah, I don't know that guy.
0: Excellent, so. uh, sir. Excellent.
2: Excellent. All right. Well, let's um, go on to the next question uh, clarity. All
1: right. Go ahead.
2: All right. So uh, number three. Yes. So number three. How can we economically move forward as a nation? And when I say economically, you you take your pick. Um, uh, we try to find. Take one that someone hasn't done before when we answer this question. Um, one, or rather, you know what, I'll pick. Uh, we, the, 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 the The topics we have are ways for supporting small businesses because we have the small business community on here while confronting major corporations as monopolies. Then we have dealing with classism inside and outside one's own group. So um, it's not just like the classic, oh, we have you know the wealth-wage gap between white people and black people. What about the wealth gauge gap within your own group? Um, Health care, then housing, uh, wages in relation to production, because we don't talk about, we talk about a living wage, but what about how in the past you used to get paid based upon how much you produce and it was a lot closer until after Dr. King was killed. Um, education, and then lastly, technology and automation and war, because those three things go together. So uh, I want to start... With Sean, um, how would you deal with things economically when it comes to technology, automation, and war, and also with wages in relation to production? How do I? Like, how do you think we? How do you think we should move forward as a nation when it comes to economically when it comes to technology, automation, and war? Let's just start with that. That one.
0: Um.
5: Huh. such a broad broad question well um, I think one thing we can move forward with um, technology um, is to bring well awareness of uh, small businesses I feel that um, I think mm-hmm. technology doesn't really help the small businesses out as much as it really should I feel Mm. it's poorly catered to uh, big corporations Um, I I found it increasingly difficult to find small business to support during this pandemic and not just going down to, I don't know, like Subway or something to get like a a sandwich I feel that um, I feel that they're kind of swept under the rug with technology. Um, Automation, I mean, I feel that um, maybe some medical devices, increased production of medical devices would definitely help out with, I don't know, spotting and eliminating viruses, I think that would Definitely help us move forward. I feel that. Um, I, I wonder what the process is, is to spot like an actual virus. Hmm. I'm not sure how
2: technology can do that. Okay. And on the war front, because um, like we have a lot of drones that are being used to kind of automate our war effort do you feel that that's a moral issue as far as like being so disconnected when we go to war um and wars that are being done in our name as citizens
5: i'm sorry what's the question
2: like the question is when it comes to like you were talking about technology helping small businesses that would be a good thing to help our economy going forward because our economy has changed through the pandemic and then we talked about how automation could uh help spot viruses and that could help us economically what do you think about war when it comes to our economy? Do you feel like the technology we have makes it easier for us to go to war and we're wasting more money? Or how do you feel that war fits into how we move forward as a nation and helping our economy? Do you think that we are in too many, that we make to, um, or not enough wars, or wars for the right reason or wrong reason?
5: Um, I feel that we definitely put a lot of money into war. Um, I feel that um, the government definitely spends a, an absurd amount of money into a war that we aren't necessarily fighting, but also keeping this country safe from other foreign corrupt countries as well. And that also goes into cybersecurity. There's a lot of attacks that occurs that the public
0: doesn't really see, and that's something that
2: you know, not, not, a lot of people really
5: think about.
2: Thank you. Thank you for bringing that up. I actually didn't think about that myself and we actually just had a technology break supposedly this week. Uh, so from the president's Twitter. So, uh, all right. And let's move on to, uh, let's move on to Carla. Uh, what do you think about, um, how we move the economy forward as a nation when it comes to wages?
3: Um, I remember reading something a while back, um, a number of economists who, of course, nobody wants to listen to, say they always try to find ways to discredit them. Um, there are some people who argue with concern that, oh, if you raise the minimum wage, it's, everything else is going to go up and up and up and all that. And it's just going to, it's not going to solve anything. But, um, one of the economists, I wish I could remember his name. I read this like, I don't know, five or seven years ago he made the point that the true minimum wage um, has not risen in proportion to inflation. Basically, the minimum wage as it was in, like, the 70s was however many dollars an hour. If if the minimum wage had truly risen in proportion to price increases, minimum wage would be at least $15 per hour by now. But what's happened is companies have gotten so used to making that much more profit and it's like, how much profit do you really need? You know, you, you just you increase the gap, you know, between the rich and the poor. Um, so what, what society needs, and I made the point um, to some coworkers a few weeks ago when we were kind of debating this, um, is that unfortunately it's something that will probably take multiple generations, if not like a century or more, to truly change because it's not just a matter of changing one factor and expecting everything else to work out you have to change everything. So in order to increase minimum wage and have it not just blow everything else out of proportion price-wise would be, you have to somehow change the culture of these businesses and not just hit them with laws because they always try to find ways around laws, but you have to change the culture to realize, look, you don't need to be billionaires and trillionaires. It's not possible for any one human being to spend all that money. You need to keep enough of that in the economy so you have people who have enough food to eat. That's, you know, rather mm. than having, who don't have enough food, and then people like the dude in charge of Amazon who's, who's approaching trillionaire status. It's like, he's one person with a family of however many people. There's no, I mean, that, that's more money than some nations have. So mm. there's, it, yeah, it's this, it's a system-wide thing. It's no easy answer of just changing this number that number. It's like all of it and the mindsets behind it all need to change.
1: Thank you. That was very well said. Thank you. That, is, that actually leads us to our next question. That was like perfect timing on that one. Uh, yeah. Um, like, legit. legit. <laughs> I mean, oh my gosh.
2: you kind of hit two for one because you dealt with the wages, but you also dealt with, like, big corporations. And then, Sean, you dealt with, like, small businesses and whatnot. Like, you yeah, technology is not used for <laughs> small businesses You all are kind
0: of hitting our questions without us even asking.
1: You guys are awesome. My like, gosh, that is it. amazing. <laughs> um, so that so, actually leads us to the next question because we can dive deeper onto that one. So we're going to leave this one open to the floor. Um, so what? And anyone can jump in on this one. Anyone can. Um, what do you yeah. believe is needed to build a culture of democracy? Yes, please. And the, the floor is open.
5: Yeah, I'd like to ask uh, Clarity this question. i here, like to hear the
0: response. Oh, you want Clarity to answer
2: it? Yeah. Oh, oh, oh well,
0: yeah, well, right. OK. Well, talk <laughs> about your life is power, aren't right, Clarity? <laughs> you do it. You're on the floor. <laughs> all right, all right. Well,
1: thank you, Sean. Um, wow, cool. So, what do I believe is needed to build a culture of democracy? Well, I think personally for me, like one of the things that comes to mind is really defining what is democracy. Like in a perfect world from my personal perspective, a democracy to me is kind of like, and I don't know exactly the exact wording of it, but um, it's written in the Constitution for Canada, is that they look at their citizens as like a mosaic that every single one of these groups of people all are individual communities, but then they contribute to the bigger mosaic picture of Canada. Um, We grew up a lot with the belief of we're a giant melting pot, and everyone comes from all over the world, and they all kind of mix and mingle and come here. Well, my college professor um, kind of challenged that belief, and I never even thought of it this way, is that they said that When you think of America as a melting pot, when you're melting things, they become more part of the whole. And to some extent they lose part of whatever that thing is. Like say, for example, if you're melting like, I don't know, like cheese, the cheese will melt and mix into your soup. It will still be in there somewhere, but it will be mixed with something else. And um, based on our history with the country, it is an idealistic idea that everyone can come here and just melt into the into society. I really like more of the idea of the mosaic, is that people can still crisscross culture, cr- people can crisscross ideologies. And um, but still have that uniqueness that makes each individual special. But when you take a step back, you can see the entire picture. So when it comes to a culture of democracy, I think what it boils down to for me is we have to understand our history. That is, to me, probably one of the biggest foundations, is if we keep attacking and looking at the issues we see today and not look into where is all this coming from, we would never know how to get to the future. And it goes back to a Filipino proverb that I, I heard once, and it, I hold it very, very close to me. And it goes, Ang hindi marong luminong sa ay hindi makararating sa Which means, he who does not look back to his roots will not reach his destination. And I believe it was a quote from Jose Rizal. And to me, that is probably the first and most critical step is to start looking backwards and see, like, how did we get to this point to begin with? So it goes back to, like, last week's episode of how did we get here? And then I would say it boils down to, okay, so now all the things are on the plate. Everything is out on the table from 2020. Now let's start looking at how can we solve these. And it's difficult to really pin down one thing, like, um, Carlo, you mentioned earlier. It's not enough just to raise the wages. You have to look at how the wages get raised and then see what it also affects along the way and start multitasking all these things simultaneously. You can't just boost the wages and then look at, like, oh, how does that solve, like, housing? How does that solve student loan debt? How does that solve... Because we need it, I agree, but I do feel that it goes, again, into that everything, every cog in the machine plays a critical role, and you have to keep looking at how do they interact with each other. Um, Because if one small thing goes off, it can become a trickle effect to everything else. So that's probably the way that I would look at that one. But thank you, Sean, for asking the... uh, Reverting the question back to us. Oh, good. So we'll leave that open to the floor. Anyone want to jump in? And
4: this is uh, Max. Um, I'm with you on. I think one of the key things is is we need a better understanding of our country in general. You know, because throughout history, there's a lot of holes should we say and history is written by the victor so why would you put anything in it I mean you're going to put things in there that are negative because you can't you, you just can't leave out but you're not going to tell the complete makeup of what made this country to be um, and, and again I'll also go to um, how we Kind of um, again, I will go back to this whole rugged individual, rigid, rugged individualism thing. I think that's another key thing that kind of it's kind of permeating through this whole country. You know what I'm saying? If you see somebody that's poor, and then you don't understand why this happened to this person, you might you might come to the conclusion like, well, they're there because that's how they're just. They didn't work hard enough, they didn't do this or that. And a lot of people, and I'm not gonna say all Americans, but a lot of people tend to just overlook those in need and who are searching for help. And if we take care of the bottom, we will raise everything up. That's what I believe. Um, it's really good. Um, hmm. There's also one more thing. Um, we have to, I think another thing that can help Mike, we need to get a better coalition of people like the lower class and middle class people together. And I think one of the things that, especially with uh, black and white people, one of the things like with poor black people and poor white people is they see they conflate the things, the problems that are in black community. as yes. black like some, not going say all of them, but some of them conflated with black culture. When that's just part of being poor. So like guns, drugs, violence, and all that stuff. It's deal with poor people. If you take, if you raise everything up for poor people, then you'll get rid of a lot of crime. You know what I'm saying? You're gonna get rid of all crime. But it's better than just having poor people dealing with poor things.
1: You know. Thank you very much for sharing that. We got about one minute left on this question. Um, We'll leave it open to the floor for any last
2: minute. I'll go in if nobody else wants to. Go for it, dude. Um, Real quick, uh, I agree with what everyone said, and I learned something really interesting this week from somebody I follow, the funky academic, um, you can go check them out, com, And I'm sure people have heard of Maslow's Hierarchy of Needs, where you start with, like, your basic housing and food and whatnot and go all the way up to your aspirational. Mm-hmm. A part of me is a theory. A part of me is always kind of questioning. It makes sense. It's like, well, if you don't have food and you don't have a house, you know, you kind of really can't... Th- focus on the things such as, like, education and then, like, your dreams, aspirations and your spirituality. But what that does is it basically says that your basic needs are always up for grabs, in a sense. And so we kind of have to get to the point where we understand what rights are. And um, one of the biggest arguments in the black community, um, now that you mention it, uh, Max, because I've read books on W.D. Boys and Washington, Bertie Washington, is that they argue between political rights and civil rights. And something that I just said was they are both wrong because when you split up rights or make a hierarchy of rights, you automatically lose. Why is it that our rights for just being a human being, a functioning human being in society, really a right of persons, are always up for grabs in every election? Why is it always existential? That's so unstable for any society. So the very things that you all talk about when it comes to education, when it comes to wages, work, and everything – you want democratized power and democratized power doesn't just mean um equal division of labor meaning that women get paid the same as men which feminists are right about definitely but we never truly talk about even in feminism to a degree the the division of risk and the division of risk is where you have a lot of classes in it too where the rich folks they take the risk but they actually shoot push off the risk to all of us that produce things, which is where the real power is in those who produce. And then they make all the money, and yet you push off all the cost. So we need to make sure that we're not putting one right over another right. You need a right to clean water just like you need the right to vote in order to be a functioning member in your society. And that's the bottom line. And if you always go to where everything's existential, you calcify things, you make it to where tyranny will be the option as long as it supplies your housing, your health care, your food. I mean, that's how Hitler came to rise after world war one is because he was willing to guarantee those things. You can have health care and you can have a market economy and you can have tyranny and fascism. Mm. So you have to change the culture. That is true. I totally agree with that. And part of the change in the culture also is um, having cultural competency where I know what to not say to a white person, as you know, or I know not, what not to say to a black person or an Asian person that would rub them the wrong way if we're both middle class or um, working class. Which, unfortunately, too many people in the upper class work against those folks. You need to start to see that you rather pay for freedom through your taxes for the government to work for everybody, than get paid to be held captive or be paid or paid to be held captive if you're working in lower class and then our upper class brothers and sisters who really do want to do good. They may not know better. They have to learn that they're being paid to hold other people captive to keep the status quo. So those are the things that I think that are necessary. That type of language that's straightforward, no matter what the issue is, whether it's healthcare environment, housing, where we are all either going to pay to be free, which is a group project because regular individualism shows that it doesn't work because free is a group project. You either pay to be free or you will pay to be held captive or pay to hold somebody
1: else captive or pay to be held captive. So that's my input. Very deep and very uh, inspirational. And everyone, thank you so much for sharing the responses on that one because Again, like we do all the time on the show, a lot of the questions are very broad for that reason because it makes us kind of think a little bit more. Like, what does this mean? By this kind of, uh, like, what does democracy mean? What does human rights mean? So, thank you so much for sharing those. So, moving on to number five, would you like to read that one, Newark? Yeah. Yes. Yes.
2: Uh, thank you, Clarity, and thank you for the time. Uh, so, number five, describe what social actions. You all believe society must do in order to move forward so let's get let's not just talk about the abstract let's get specific even just in your local community what specific actions do you believe we as people individuals need to do to move society forward in the right direction and this is open
0: to the floor
5: yeah hi this is sean i think um people need to listen and willing to understand others, even if they choose not to participate or even agree with the other person's uh, actions. I feel that when someone uh, participates or says something meaningful, there's a lot of misunderstanding with people who listen to them and therefore they are so quick to judge and disagree with them. I feel that they just don't really listen to them effectively.
4: Thank you, I, I
2: totally and totally agree. Got something. Mm-hmm. Go, ahead. Go ahead. Hey, uh, this is Carly here. Um, looking at, uh, so you, you, were, you were asking
3: for concrete examples,
1: yeah, any type of an example.
3: Um, for me, um, for me, uh, one of the things is um, I'm, I'm going to quote um, author Robin DiAngelo who wrote the book White Fragility. Um, one of the things we need to do is stop calling our beliefs our truth. She makes the point that a lot of privileged people will say I'm speaking my truth well they... It's not truth, it's beliefs. But if they call it truth, well, the word truth implies absolute. You can't argue with it. So people need to stop wielding that card of calling their beliefs truth so that people would look bad if they argue with them.
0: Mm -hmm. Um, Another
3: thing is um, love in action, not in the abstract. You get people who say these cliché things of love, everybody, we're all the same, blah, blah, blah. Um, One of my literature professors, um, her her motto in terms of when we were, you know, doing explanatory writing, you know, trying to make our writing specific and not vague, was she would always insist, show, don't tell. It's one thing to say, oh, I'm this, or I'm not this, or whatever. Demonstrate. Don't say, I'm not this, but, or, oh, I believe this and that. Demonstrate it. A lot of people's words contradict what their actions are, so they need to focus. We all need to focus on our actions. Um, So basically demonstrate our beliefs, not continually try to verbally convince people because that just goes nowhere. Um, And then um, reading books. So if if it's okay for me to plug a few of them here in case people want to write down the titles, is that okay? Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Um, one of them is White Fragility, fragile, as in fragile, like it's unbreakable, by Robin DiAngelo. Um, another one is Uncomfortable Conversations with a Black Man, by... No,
0: guy.
3: I think it's his name. I just bought that one. I look forward to reading it. Um, Cast, as in C-A-F-T-E, mm-hmm. The Origins of Our Discontent, that is by Isabel Wilkerson, that just came out this year, I read it, I'm like... These free books need to be textbooks. They they need to be textbooks in every mm-hmm. single class, start of you know. So, um, you know, especially in the pandemic, if we're people who aren't very connected online and you don't have as many opportunities to talk to people for a while, the very least we can do is read books. If I take it as an opportunity when you're spending more time by yourself to read books about these issues, and then that way you're more informed when it, when you do get to actually talk to real people again. So that is
1: very insightful and thank you so much if you can send us a list of those books that you recommend we will put them in the description box so our listeners are able to find the names and then where to purchase them um but that is beautifully worded and i just want to interject something real quickly of a um observation wise because you nailed something on the head that it didn't even come to fruition for myself personally until earlier this year um somebody said once uh is this person racist? Is this person sexist? Is this person whatever? And like you're saying, I'm not this. I'm not that. The response really should be at the end of the day. And it's a very harsh reality. If somebody came to someone and says, do you think I'm racist? Do you think I'm this? You've known me forever. The correct answer really actually is, is, we can't judge what's in someone's heart. We can't judge their intentions because we're not them. We can only judge with what we see. So you hit it. You hit it on the head very well because I've heard that a lot, where people would say, "I'm not racist because I have a black or a person of color." Insert name, family, friend here. And while the intentions again may be good in all aspects of it. It's a harsh reality is that people don't know who that person is, so we can only see with what they're saying or what they're doing. And like you said, show don't tell. That really, that hits it really full circle, especially when it comes to, like, screenwriting and film production. So thank you for sharing that perspective, so. Yeah, I also want to add
2: that when you said that people say I'm speaking my truth, I never, it's so obvious, and I just kind of look over that phrase, but I never thought about people using it as, yeah, you can't attack me because I'm living my truth, When it really is beliefs. And that abuse of language is very important because, like, what you just said is, like, show, like, through your actions, don't speak – some things, you know, never change. Such as, you know, talk is cheap. Like, no matter what area you live in, that's in the world. And no matter what time human beings have been alive, that's always been true. And I really appreciate you, you. clarifying something so simple, yet very important and profound.
1: Thank you so much. Anybody else on the floor? Uh,
4: no, I had something, but I uh, I forgot
1: what it was. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) right. So we only have two questions left for the show as we're winding Uh down. But again, thank you so much for everyone who has been on the show and welcome back for those who have been on the show before. So we have two last questions to wind down the evening. So Hey Hey Clarity.
0: Yes.
2: Since we have one response, I I wanted to put in one thing I think that would be useful. Um if you don't mind. Sure. Um quickly I would say, um, I agree with that, what everyone else said about what we should do mm-hmm. listening and definitely uh, reading those books and, uh, actions are important. Um, on that, Maslow's hierarchy of needs was like spirituality and like contentment and aspiration. I would say finding meaning is one of the most important things. Um, something that, uh, the funding, I mean, I was saying is if you have a hard time understanding why people still want to go to church, even during a pandemic, Some of it is because of the fact that there's meaning in it. You can't find meaning from just eating and drinking and and, and whatnot. People do find meaning from those things. I I don't agree necessarily with putting your life at risk and others, um, with the exception of those that maybe have uh, programs to help people who are addicted to drugs and they have always opened their doors to people like that in a church and they have like actual ministry and are willing to risk their lives doing it, then that's one thing. But finding meaning in your life, and if. I think the, the most important thing to find meaning is finding more sophisticated ways of providing freedom for yourself and others. And I think that that uh, is the heart of what we're trying to do, because if you focus on the inside and finding meaning, everything else will kind of fall into place, all the other needs that the people need in a society to function. So.
0: Very
1: insightful. Thank you, Nguyen. Thank you. So our uh, second-to-last question that we're going to keep again open to the floor is: describe one thing that someone said today in this discussion that touched you.
3: I got one. Yeah. Uh, Maxwell, thank you so much for your contributions. I've heard, I've, I've, quoted you. I've been like taking notes. I really uh, like how you said it. It's hard to get on the same page when you're reading from different books. That that is a great way to start. You know, people who argue things that oh we're all in the same and it's like like as so though everybody you uh, know the policy is the level playing field. Like we've you know we've touched on that from a new number of different angles. You know, throughout this discussion today, but that that's one. If you don't mind, I'm going to quote you on that. <laughs> that's a great way to like really like open up the conversation broadly and get people to pay attention. And be like. Dude,
4: we're not even reading from the same book. Let's break this down. So and thank you go. for your... No problem. Go ahead and keep
1: that one in your back pocket. That was really good. Yeah. Uh,
4: this is Max. It was something that she said that, that stuck with me, but I just can't... For some kind of reason, I'm just drawing a blank on you. It was during the talk when she was talking about... Um, the white fragility book and so on. Is, I'm just completely facing on it. Why, for some bad reason? But it was something within that whole conversation that hit me. Let's just say the conversation, that conversation in general, just hit me in the right way. Correct. Your
3: beliefs are the calling your beliefs truth.
4: Yes. That's what it was, yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I'm gonna put that one in my back pocket.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah, I agree, I agree.
2: Yeah, oh, thank you.
5: you. Um one question thanks to Maxwell for contributing to I think it was Do You Believe the situation? Uh, on question number two, I felt that his, uh, his answer was very unique, and I felt that it was uh, valuable.
2: Wow. Thank, Thank you, Sean. I appreciate that. All right. And then we'll go to the last question, uh, number seven. What was it like sharing um, open perspectives in this way?
4: And the floor is open for that question. Uh, this is Max, I'll go first. Uh, it, it's, it was very interesting because a lot of the ideas I, I usually spit balls it with me and my, my brother talk about stuff like that. And I never really know how people outside of him will take it. Um, so, it's like saying it out to other people that I don't really know is uh good point how they receive it and I see how they taking it pretty well seems like a big the barometer at least I'm on at least I'm walking down the right path, you know what I'm saying? So yeah I like it, it's good. Thank you. That's that's
2: the purpose of this show. I am I'm, I'm happy to hear that. Thank you. Anybody else? Yeah, this is uh Carly here.
3: Um, I just want to thank you guys for doing this because, I mean, especially now when I mean, some people are more connected during the pandemic than others. I mean, you know, whether it's online or they're, they take more initiative with reaching out to people and uh, um, me, it's I've always struggled to do that. So I've spent a lot of time by myself and um, you know, not not going online and things like that. So whether I'm actively participating or simply listening on Sunday night, this is this is filling a very important need for me, and I imagine for anybody who's listening and really resonating with what everybody on here is saying, um, you know, I can close my eyes and feel like I'm sitting in, in the living room with all of you, and I just want to say thank you because these conversations, I mean, everybody's speaking very well in terms of, you know, having, you know, the, the clarity of their ideas and what they're saying and everything and um, just really, really lining up heart to heart and being able to, you know, and, and also to, um, to build on each other's statements. Um, and like, and like, uh, like you said, you know, using one answer, hey, that kind of springboard's in our next question. Or someone saying, yeah, what the person before me said, uh, you know, uh, I've got something to add to that. So I really appreciate how, you know, even though we're, we're taking turns, it's not like we're all kind of, you know, throwing in a conversation. But it's not like an informal conversation at a coffee house or something. It's a lot more structured. <laughs> <the people laughs> it. But you, still like process, you know, it's still really, like we're all cooperating. We're not just each saying our sound bite in a vacuum. So I appreciate that you guys have structured it such that, that, that we could do that, that we feel like we're cooperating and not just, oh, no, it's this person's turn and that person's turn where we're being actively influenced
1: by each other. And I like that. I think that pretty much hits it all the way home of what the mission of Third Paradigm was at the very beginning when we first came up with this idea in the mid of 2020 is that at the end of the day, and I was thinking about it earlier from a friend I was talking to, is that when it comes to identity and what the U.S. is going through right now, and even down to individuals, um it's going to sound a little weird, but I think I might have brought it up in the past episode. But if we think about it, like we're all cells in the United States' body to some extent. Like if you think of the United States as like a a living person, um, this person is trying to figure out exactly what it means to be American. It's learning about its past that it didn't even know about. And then it's trying to figure out how to move forward as a nation. And then if you look at every individual, we're in the same boat individually to some extent where we're trying to figure out like, where do we move forward? Um, My beliefs have changed a lot over the years. And I think at the very base core of it all, there's a lack of feeling of belongingness to kind of quote another friend is that what the whole mission was, like you put it so beautifully is that the purpose of Third Paradigm is to welcome all people from all perspectives, including all political views for a somewhat sense of belongingness a place where you can come in here anonymously or yourself, and you can share honest, raw perspectives. Very raw, very real, and honest-to-goodness perspectives. So thank you so much for that. That was beautifully,
0: beautifully worded. Thank you. Yes, thank you. Is that all?
5: Um, This is Sean. I'd like to give a special thanks for all the listeners, for... um, Listening to my perspective and everyone else helps us open perspective. It's something valuable uh, to listen to someone with the intent to understand, rather than kind of destroy what they're what they're trying to say.
1: Beautiful. Mm-hmm.
2: Yes. That, those are two different conversations. I highly agree. Thank you, Sean. Thank you. All right. Well, that
1: closes it out, I think. Right, Clarity? Yeah, that closes it all off. So thank you, everyone, for being here today and for coming back Best. to our show.
2: And I, I think this is a really good way to top the year off and prepare everybody for the new year. Um,
1: so thank you all so much. and. uh Next week, we're going to dive into New Year's Resolutions. So we're going to end the year on a little bit of a higher note. (laughs) Well, actually, by the time that comes out, I think we'll be in the New Year. Yeah, we're going to record on Sunday, and we're going to release on the very first Saturday of the New Year. So New Year's Resolutions is up next, next week.
2: Yes, so thank you all. Have a good Christmas. Um, Actually, it'll be Christmas. I mean, by the time you all hear this, um, good Hanukkah, good Eid, whatever, uh religious holiday you celebrate or secular holiday you celebrate and uh please be safe be good to your neighbor and um we look forward to having a conversation with you here at third paradigm thank you so much much. everyone Bye. bye